Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today that you'd like more of, make sure you listen to our weekly podcast, Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's listen to this week's message. Hey man, Morning Church, hope you're doing well. If you are new around here, my name is Matt, one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you. I want to give a shout out to our Niwad campus and everybody who's hanging out with us online. We're in week four of our series, uh, Grit, and we're going to get to that in, in just a second. But first, last week we started our Grit Challenges. So if you weren't here, I won't let you know what we're doing, all right? So we, we threw out the challenge last week. We were encouraging you in a couple different areas of your life to, to pick some new, new habits, create some new rhythms for the next 52 days to just exercise and kind of grow in grit. So many of you have already jumped into that, but if you missed out, it's still not too late. So we've got the handout in our lobbies, all right? So on the way out, if you want one of these, grab one if you weren't able to get one last week or you weren't here. And if you're hanging out with us online, you go to our website, rocky.church slash grit. We've got a PDF version of this. I thought one of the coolest things last week, a lot, of, a lot of you were posting on social media just where you were and how you were doing, but so many people were posting the PDF version as well. So I love it. You're at home and you're printed out and you're getting after it, so well done. Also, if you jump in and you think you could use just a a little bit of extra encouragement, you can right now text the word GRID to 97000. We're not going to spam you. We're just going to throw out a couple of texts every week just to remind you there's a lot of people in this and we're cheering you on. I think, I think last week over 600 of you texted in uh, to get those texts. So well done with that. So anyways, no matter what, one person's happy. All right, I love it. Uh, you needed it. You needed it. Rusty needed it. So anyways, um, hey, I hope you're in. I, I, even if you missed a day, come on, keep going, get back up. And when we get to end this thing, I just think you're going to learn a whole lot about yourself. You're going to learn more about God and just how gritty you really are. So jump in and be a part of it. All right. So guys, I got a question for you. Ladies, you know, this, this can, you know, this relates to you as well, but I just, I just feel like, you know, it's more so for guys. But let me just ask you a question, guys. If you, have you ever started a home project? that resulted in, in, in one more visit to Home Depot than you thought it would take. Let me just ask you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you ever jumped into, you know, a home project, you get into it, and, and then it doesn't go exactly as smoothly as you think it would, or doesn't cost exactly what you thought, like you got into it, and, and then it was more to it than what you, you realized. I, I experienced this um, a couple of years ago. My wife uh, went on her first Kenya trip, and uh, it was in July, it was during the summer, and, um, and before she left, we, we, kind of, we, you know, we, we had this toilet in our house that was just kind of finicky, you know what I mean? It just wasn't quite acting right. And so she said, uh, hey, while I'm away, could you do one thing for me? And I said, yeah, what's up? She said, could you fix the toilet? I said, easy, I got it, you know, no big deal. And so she goes to Kenya, and one of the things about me that you may not know, but I'm, I am a procrastinator at heart. Any other procrastinators in here? I do my best work, right, when it's on the line. And so I, I, she was gone for 12 days. You know what day I started getting after the toilet? 11. That's right. Day 11. And so, um, and so I get after it, you know, so I go up there and there was a toilet in, in our, in our bathroom upstairs. And so, um, I opened the top of the toilet and I quickly realized, um, that the housing, you know, all the kind of things that's in the top bowl there, it, um, whoever, you know, who had owned the house before us had fixed that thing several times already. All right. And so there's like, you know, zip ties and all this kind of stuff. And, and the, you know, it's the, it was kind of still old school, like balloon thing on top of the water and all that. And so I quickly realized, okay, this is the problem. I 
got to get you know new stuff here. So I go to our local Ace Hardware store, walk in there, and I wish I could remember the guy's name who's in there, but I don't. But but you know he he knew right away just something about me that I didn't know what I was doing. So he's like, you know, hey, what you need? And I said, dude, I got this toilet. I'm trying to fix it. He goes, yeah, come with me. So he takes me to the place. He goes, here you go, you know. And so I grab this whole pack of things, got everything you need, and uh, so I you know I buy it and I go home. And so I start I start taking it out. I put the new stuff in, and it's going really well until it isn't. And, 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 and I, I get it all in. It's looking good, you know, everything. And then I notice this something, there's something at the bottom of the, you know, the top of the bowl, something at the bottom. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's kind of rusted looking. And then I realize what it is. It's a, it's a miniature Buddha is what it is in the top of my toilet. And so the people who had owned the house before me, they were from Mongolia and I think they were Buddhists. And so anyways, there's a, I was like, dude, there's a Buddha in my toilet. And so it's there, and I don't know what it was, but as a Christian, I was like, I got to get him out of there. You know, he just shouldn't, I don't like it that he's in my toilet. And so he's kind of rusted out, but they had glued him to the bottom of that bowl. And so I'm like scraping that thing. And what I didn't realize was they, they had glued him on top of like, then like the screw and the nut and all that. And so I'm like chiseling that thing out. It's still kind of underwater, but I'm chiseling that thing out. And I get it off. And as soon as I chisel that thing out, water begins to go all over my bathroom. I empty about half that bowl into the bathroom. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so I'm getting towels and I'm, and I'm putting it on there. And so it, I, I realize, okay, whatever that is there, that rubber thing there, I, I need that now. And so I go back to Ace and I run in, I see that guy, he goes, you have a problem? I said, yeah, I got a problem. There's a Buddha in my toilet. And so... <laughs> Um, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, this is what you need. You need this bracket, you know, this screw here. You need this. Uh, yeah, that's funny. So anyways, I buy that and I go back, go back home. And so now I got to take this, you know, the whole thing off, you know. And so I, I take it all out. I take the, the whole thing off. Now, as soon as I take it off, I quickly realize I've run into another problem because like that rubber ring deal, you know what I'm talking about? You, that's in between there. Some of you, you're, you're in the toilet business. It's, it's in there. And I noticed that when I t- took that thing off, it is cracked. It's got, it's got many rips in it. And right about this time, my wife texts me. She says, hey, just checking in and seeing how your day's going. I said, I'm working on the toilet. And she said, how, how is it? And I sent her this picture. And I said, not good. That's what I said, not good. Not good. So I went back to Ace and I saw the guy. He says, you got a, another problem. I said, yeah, dude, this thing in here, you know, it's not quite right. He goes, oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. And so I get back to the house and I put that new O-ring on. Then I put it, the toilet, you know, the, the bowl on top on. I get the screw in there. I got all the rubber O-rings and all that. And I tighten it all up. And I go to start refilling the water and it spills all over again because I had put it backwards. I had, that, that ring has to be on the, the outside, not the inside. So anyways, you, you don't no toilets, but I, I know stuff now. So anyways, I messed it up. And so, and so it took me, I mean, this is now half my day I'm dealing with this. And I kid you not, this is a true story. I get it all done. I'm flushing it. It looks great. And I'm on the floor right next to the toilet. And I'm just wiping everything up again because I'd spilled so much water. And I have my hand on the toilet seat to, to press myself up. And as I press myself up, wouldn't you know it? I snapped that toilet seat in half <laughs> and went back to Ace. Walked in, the guy said, you ran into another problem? I said, I cracked the toilet seat, bro. He said, yeah, we got those two. Four trips to Ace, a little bit more money than I was looking to spend, took a lot more time, but I got through. And let me tell you, our toilet is working good. It's working good. 
but I face more opposition. This is just true about life. You, you know this too, just when you get after things that you know you're supposed to get after in life or a home project or anything that we've been talking about, you know, the last couple of weeks with just grit and trying to create rhythms, you just know this. The reason why it's difficult is because somewhere along the way, you're gonna start facing some pushback. You're gonna face some opposition. You're gonna face some obstacles maybe that you weren't even expecting, but you just know this is, this is part this is part of life, and this is where we jump in with the story of Nehemiah, who we've just been chatting about the last couple of weeks. He's an Old Testament uh, biblical character, and he's got this great vision that God has given to him to, to go back home and rebuild the walls of his, his hometown in Jerusalem, and, and things are going really well. This is we're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 4, where he is, he's got the blessing of the king in Persia. He's got resources. He is funded. He's got people, and he gets back to Jerusalem, and he starts rebuilding the walls. And things start out well until they're not. Things get going and he's seeing progress. And it, I mean, it's, it's good until it's not. And then all of a sudden he faces just some incredible opposition. And all, again, all of us have this in common. If you're going to get after anything in your life, you're going to face some pushback. In fact, it, it starts in Nehemiah chapter 2. I mean, words barely gotten out that Nehemiah even got the go-ahead from the king, and there's already people chirping. Because even though that Nehemiah was passionate about reading, you know, rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem, and even though God had given him this vision and said, Nehemiah, this is what I want you to go do, there was also a lot of people who were not excited about those walls being Rebuilt. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 2, I mean, barely word just got out. It already starts. Look at this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. You get introduced to these two characters of these critics of Nehemiah. It says this, when Sanballat and Tobiah, these are guys, these are like two critics, you know, partners in crime here, okay? When they heard about this, when they heard about Nehemiah, when they heard about, you know, this whole deal about rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem, it says this, they were very much disturbed. They were not happy about it. Because someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So we got two guys in chapter two. These guys are other kind of rulers in the Persian provinces, and they're kind of surrounding Judah. And they get word that there's a guy who's going to be, you know, leading this big campaign to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And they're a little bit upset about it because they don't want the walls rebuilt. They like Jerusalem exactly how it is. They don't like the idea of a city becoming, you know, well-supported and well-defended. They don't want to see the, the walls rebuilt. And so what do they do? They go on the attack. They, they become part of the opposition to the project. You jump to Nehemiah chapter 4. This is where it starts in verse 1. It says this, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, so here's what you got to know, guys. Critics run with critics. This is what critics do. Critics get other critics. And so you got Sam Ballad. He's like, yo, 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 come on. You know, I'm going to get everybody together, and I'm going to just voice my opinion about why I think this is a really bad idea. So critics run with critics. He gets all his buddies together. Here's what he says. Starts throwing some accusations through questions. He says, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? So Sam Ballot, he gets his buddies together. He starts throwing these kind of verbal jabs at Nehemiah and the whole rebuilding process. 
And then again, his sidekick, you know, Tobiah, he jumps in with a little joke. Look at verse 3. So Tobiah, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. And I'll go, ha, 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 ha. You know, they're all laughing. Look at that wall, you know. It's so poorly made. I mean, even if a fox got on that wall, that thing's going to fall down. They're having a good time. They're poking and they're throwing insults and jabs and everybody's having a good time at the expense of this group of people who are passionately trying to rebuild the wall of their home, their hometown. And here's what you learn. Unfortunately, oftentimes the, the enemy or the opposition or the critic, I mean, their first strategy to stop the good work in your life is an effective one. You know what it's called? Discouragement. Discouragement. People could begin to you know, plant seeds of doubt, trying to discourage you. And it's crafty sometimes. You know, it sounds something like this. Are you sure you want to go ahead with this? You know? I mean, why don't you just let somebody else do that? Isn't that somebody else's problem? I mean, how are you going to get the money for it? I mean, isn't it going to be challenging? And don't you have a lot going on in your life right now? I mean, why don't you just wait till things kind of calm down, you know? That's kind of where it starts. And, and then when you're looking for, you know, a little bit more, you know, spice, you can add a few other ingredients to the mix. You know, sometimes you throw in some sarcasm or some scorn or some rejection. And then eventually you get to some things, you know, like this. Like, hey, why don't you, you know, wh- wh- who do you think you are starting this project? You know you're never going to be able to get that done, right? I mean, that's kind of cool you're starting it, but you're never going to finish it. I mean, no one's even going to want to, help you, dude. Who's going to want to be a part of that with you? You know, you're going to fail. And when you do, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but you're going to fail. And when you do, there's going to be somebody standing there going, I told you so. We are three verses into chapter four, and we already learned something pretty incredible when it comes to opposition or critics. And here's kind of two things that I wrote down. It's, it's the progress on the wall that brought out the critics. Good things are happening, and so now we, we now face opposition. I mean, the opposition came because Nehemiah was successful. He's leading this incredible story. I mean, this guy shouldn't even be there. He was a slave in Persia. He was a cupbearer to the king, and... And through just praying day and night for 120 days and having courage to tell the truth to the king, the king funds it and gives him safety and he goes with a group of people and they're starting to find success. And because he's successful, opposition begins to rise and the critics start chirping and they start making fun of Nehemiah. They start making fun of the wall. Here's the deal. If you begin to see movement in your life and if you find success in your personal life or your spiritual rebuild projects, the same thing, my guess is, will happen to you. You will face opposition. There will be people who are going to be uncomfortable with the direction that you are moving and it's not really an if It's not really if you face opposition, it's going to be when. And like most attacks of discouragement, this is why it's so, this is why it hits so hard. This is why it stings so much. This is why it's so effective. Because when people begin to throw their their, their discouragement at us, the reason why it's so effective is because just about in every little piece of of critique or feedback that, that leads to discouragement, there's always a little bit of truth in it. It's not fully true, but there's a little bit of truth. 
And that little bit of truth, it, it kind of finds its way into your heart and mind and soul, and it begins to discourage you. I mean, look, look at what Sam Ballot said. I mean, he kind of throws three really big things at Nehemiah and his crew. Here's what he says. First, as builders, he goes, the Jews were feeble. He's not wrong. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you saw the picture that Sean showed of the wall, and it doesn't actually look that great. He goes, look, you guys aren't even really good builders, and he's technically not wrong. He's, he, he, go, he throws an insult. He says, you guys aren't even going to get this done in the day. He's not wrong. Took him 52 days. He looks at him and goes, you guys don't even really have the materials or all the materials are the best materials to work with. And again, he's not wrong. There's a little bit of truth in just about every little thing that he says. And this is the challenge for how you and I kind of receive criticism. Because a discouraging attack will have a little bit of truth in it, but it will always neglect the greater truth. There's always a greater truth. Nehemiah has a greater truth, and here it is. You know what, Sam Ballot? You're right. We're not the best builders. We don't have the best resources, and we're not going to get this thing done in a day. But here's what I know. This is what God has called us to, greater truth. God is with us in the rebuild, greater truth. I don't know how long it's going to take, and I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you pose some really good questions, but this is something that we have to do, and we just trust that God is in the midst of it. Greater truth. Sam Ballet, you're not all wrong, but you don't have the same perspective as we do. There is something greater at play here because for us, it's not just a wall. This is something that we have partnered with, with God. This is something that God is in it with us. We're going to get this thing done, and I don't know how long, and I don't know with what kind of materials and resources, but I just trust that we're going to get it done. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be a leader, young people, if you want to be a leader, you just got to know that leadership is a magnet for pain. It's a magnet. It finds you. If you want to be a leader, you just got to know the critics are going to show up. And they show up in all kinds of accusations and all shapes and forms. But you just got to know when you're the guy leading it like Nehemiah, there's going to be some pain points. Because here's the deal. I, here's what I've learned about leadership. When you're the guy, you know, part of making decisions and, you know, you're part of the team. And no matter what decision you make, you're always going to have critics. Did you know that? There's not one decision I could probably make up here that I would get 100%, you know, we would all be on the same page. It hasn't been too long. Do you guys remember COVID? Ooh. Yeah. Listen, it was the most polarizing time to make any decision about anything because any decision you made, you just always knew like 50% of the the population was going to be for you and the other 50% were going to be against you. And here came all the accusations. I mean, within 18 months, I got accused of not being a Christian more times than I have my whole life. I can't believe you would do that. I thought you were a Christian. I thought I was too. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) When you're at the top, look, you make a right decision, right? You make the right decision. You get the ball going in the right way. You're going to have critics because there's always people who don't like change. You make the wrong decision and you're at the top, you're going to have critics. You want to know why? Because you made the decision. And you didn't make the right one. Nehemiah is making the right decision. He is following in the footsteps that God is leading him to rebuild the wall. And guess what? He still has critics. 
If you haven't read this book, you should. It's called Leadership Pain. And in this book, the author pretty much says, look, the level of your leadership will always be tied to the threshold of your pain tolerance. You want to lead, there's going to be pain points. If you're going to get out front, Nehemiah, and you're going to get this wall rebuilt, you better believe there's going to be people that are going to push back, and they're not going to play fair, and they're going to bring accusations that have a little bit of truth in it. And it might sting and it might hurt. But this is, this is the deal. When you lead, there will be critics. So Nehemiah has a choice. The critics are out. They're bringing their discouragement and there's a little bit of truth. And Nehemiah now has to lead. He, he has a choice. Is he going to listen to his critics or is he going to listen to the greater truth? And look what it says. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6. Nehemiah says, so we quit. It's not what he said. You guys don't even read your Bibles. You know what I'm saying? It's not what he says. That'd be weird, right? If I was like, and he quit, let's go home. No, he didn't quit. Look what he did. Verse six. So you know what Nehemiah did? He rebuilt the wall. He rebuilt the wall until half of it reached half its height. He got after it. He actually pushed through. He got the wall rebuilt to half the height he needed to. It says, for the people worked with all their hearts. They brought their discouragement and he kept building. Jerry Falwell Sr., who was the chancellor at the, the seminary that I, I, I went to, Liberty University, shout out to LU, what's up? Go Flames. He had this quote that he used to say, and I, I kind of remembered it, but I looked it up, you know, a couple weeks ago, and here's what Jerry used to say. A man's greatness is measured not by his talents or his wealth, but by what it takes to discourage him. Mm. Nehemiah, he hears. He hears. He's got the critics. You know what he does? He goes one more. Goes one more day, one more brick, one more prayer. You know what he does? He lets them keep talking. And he gets to working. Let them talk. I'm working. I'm working. He keeps working. He keeps the people working. And he gets that wall built to, I mean, he's halfway through the project. He keeps it going. And look at this, the critics, they they just go away, don't they? Nah, they double down. Verse 7. But when Sambalat and Tobiah, the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem walls had gone ahead... And the gaps were being closed. They were happy. Nah. They were angry. You could hear them in the room, right? They threw their attacks. Nehemiah pushes through. They're talking. He gets to working. They're thinking they're going to fold now. You know, we made the jokes about the fox. There's no way they're going to recover. He's pushing through. They get word that half of the wall is now rebuilt. And they're going, what? So they double down. Verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. So they're going to take it up a notch. And they're going to stir up trouble against it. Now they threw words and now they're talking about, now we're going to, you know, fight. Now we're going to, we're going to throw fists, you know. I mean, they're, they're taking it up a notch. And on one hand, this, this is serious, you know. It feels serious. The threat feels serious because, you know, the wall was built to protect against the attacks of people. And this actual rebuild might very well bring an attack. 
which is the one thing they're, they're trying to prepare for, yet they're right in the middle of the rebuild project. And so you can imagine that that potentially could be pretty discouraging. The fact that we're trying to do something that we think is the right thing to do is actually going to bring the thing that we don't want, which is a, sounds like a group of people who want to fight. And we're not really in a position to fight. We don't have our walls rebuilt. So on the one hand, it's very serious. And then on the other hand, it wasn't really serious at all because guess what? They didn't attack. They just said they were going to attack. They just talked about it. But they didn't actually do anything about it. See, I think Sanballat and Tobiah, they were just hoping that the threat of attack would would maybe stop the project or slow down the project. I think it's kind of like another kind of strategy in the discouragement. They were trying to offer enough threats that would get Nehemiah and these people to start asking the what-if questions, you know? It's a powerful, powerful question in the context of discouragement. We're going to come fight you, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, the Jews are thinking, well, what if? What if they show up? I mean, we've just been busting our butts rebuilding this wall and this project's only halfway done. And what if they, they show up and they, they tear it down? Well, what if they're right? Well, what, if, what if we don't have enough resources? Nehemiah, what, what if we run out of money? You know, what if, what if I actually go do this thing? You know, what, what if people talk about me? What if, what if, what if? We all have what ifs, you know? What if I fail? What if it doesn't go exactly how I thought? What if it takes longer? What if they're right? What if? Or you could change up the question a little bit. What if we trust God? What if we just be obedient to what God calls us to? What if we believe God's voice is bigger than the critic's voice? You know, what if instead of listening to the critics, we stop asking what if? What if we just go back to the source that told us the reason, very reason why the critics are chirping at us? What if we just slow down and get re-centered and spend a little time with God in prayer? This is exactly what Nehemiah does. And don't forget, this is how Nehemiah started his whole deal. As a slave in Persia, cupbearer to the king, praying for 120 days, day and night. The threat has kind of gone up. We're talking about a physical threat. And what does Nehemiah do? Verse 9. Don't freak out. Look what he does. Verse 9. But we prayed. But we prayed to our God. And, I love this verse. But we prayed to our God and. That's a big and, okay? But we prayed to our God and what else did we do? We posted a guard day to, uh, a guard day and night to meet this Threat. I'm telling you, church people, I, I, listen, I am all in on prayer. What I'm about to say is don't walk out and go, Matt hates prayer. No, I don't. I believe in the power of prayer. I pray every day. I pray for you. I pray for my family. I pray, 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 okay? I'm in on prayer. But you know what I love about Nehemiah's prayer here? It says he prayed and he did something. You know what we're guilty of too oftentimes? We pray and do nothing. We do nothing. And I just got to think, like, there was some, you know, there was somebody in Nehemiah's camp, you know, Nehemiah's like, you know, God, protect us, and we know, you know, help us, and we know you're big, and you're better than all of our enemies. He says, amen. He goes, boys, grab your spears. And you know there was someone in his camp that's like, ah, 
I thought, you know, a little Jesus juke, you know. Nehemiah, I thought, don't you trust God? Yeah, I trust God. I trust God that he might answer our prayer protection through my sword. You know what I mean? Like, he's got that in him a little bit. Nehemiah, I mean, don't you have faith? We prayed to God, and don't you have faith that he will protect us, you know? Nehemiah's like, I have faith that if Sam Ballot and his jokers come over here, I'm gonna slice them up. You know what I mean? He's got that inside of him. Yes, I have faith. Yes, I trust God. So I'm going to pray, and I'm gonna do what I can do. Listen, we all have this in common. Go back to high school. Students, you know this, right? When you don't know what you're supposed to do, but then you throw that like Hail Mary prayer, you know? You didn't study for the test, right? You didn't study for the test because you are out reading your Bible late at night, I'm sure, right? And so you show up, you show up, right? You show up to the test and you're, you know, the teacher's passing out the test. You go, God, if you help me answer these questions, I'll do anything you want, you know? I'll never drink a day in my life. I won't have sex outside of marriage, you know, that prayer. So you just all this stuff, ah, God, you know, I'm with you. And then you take the test and you fail. You know why you failed? You prayed. You just didn't do what you could have done. You pray and pray and God help me and then and let come on let's go and let's go do something let's go do what we can do now I'll just listen, listen. there are moments in our life when there is no and all you can do is pray I'm, I'm with you there are moments where literally there is no and there is no and I cannot cure that disease I cannot fix every relationship. There are some tensions in life. They're just tough. There's no and. But I bet there's more ands than not. The critics show up. They bring their discouragement. They keep rising the level of intensity. Nehemiah does not freak out. He prays and, and he works the plan. He, he kind of looks at his crews and he's got his family. Sean talked about this, you know, the, the whole rebuilding plan was families that were taking portions of the wall. And Nehemiah looks at them and he says to them essentially, hey, no longer are you just builders, you're going to be potentially fighters. And some of you, you're going to do watch. And some of you are going to have a spear and some of you are going to have a shovel. But, but now the intensity of the critics has, has risen to the occasion and we're going to rebuild this wall. And so we prayed and... We came up with a plan. I mean, you get to this, you know, a point in the story, Nehemiah chapter four, verse 21, it says this, so we continue to work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. Half the guys are building and half the guys are protecting. They prayed and, they prayed and. God, would you help me with my finances? And you should go meet someone who can help you with a budget. God, would you help me in this marriage? And you should go see a marriage counselor and start working on you and stop pointing the finger at your spouse. God, would you, come on, and. This is the part of grit. It's going, look, we want to change and we're willing to change. If nothing changes, nothing changes. It's just not throwing Hail Mary prayers to God. It's and. And let's do something. God, would you help us reach people in our community? And let's go do something. Let's go love somebody. Let's raise the level of our generosity. Let's do life in the context of groups. And, 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 and. God, we know you're with us. And we're going. 
As we go, we know you go with us. And, and, and. Prayer, and. And in 20-some days, Nehemiah is going to rebuild this wall. In the midst of critics, in the midst of discouragement, while they're talking, he gets to working. So here's the question. Here's what I want you to think about. In the context of your life and the things that you're getting after, whatever camp you're in, you know, you know, personal, spiritual, physical, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you allowing to speak into what it is that you're trying to get after? Because I'm just telling you, if it's a good thing and if you find any success in it, you, it's not if, it's when the critics show up. I was thinking this week, how many amazing things has God put in the hearts and the minds of his people that never came to reality because some Sam Ballad showed up. That's going to be like a cuss word for me now, you know what I mean? What a Sam Ballad. Showed up and talked you out of it. How many things in this world as followers of Jesus do we allow the sand ballots of the world to come in and to poke at us and to mock us and so we walk away? I mean, it doesn't take much. Go home and watch the football game today and watch the commercials and watch what the world is saying. I mean, you, come on, we know this. They're, they're going to tell, I mean, here's the deal. You know, even just in the context, just the personal stuff, you know, I mean, they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you, you're not pretty enough, you know? Young people, they're going to tell you, look, you're not pretty enough. You need more and more and more. You need this, this, this. You should stop listening to them because God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You should listen to what he says. They're going to tell you it's about fames and likes and follows. You know what God says? God says you can literally gain all the wealth in the world and still lose your soul. That any of your life's not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to matter about how much money you made, but it's going to be about what you did with it. It's going to be about what you gave away. It's going to be about generosity. You're going to tell you it's all about fame. They're going to discourage you from choosing the hard ride over the easy wrong and God says nah you should you know what you should do you should just keep making the wise choice just make the wise choice just trust me follow me make the wise choice they're going to tell you to go you know that you're by yourself and you should go alone and you don't need people around you and God says no 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 you shouldn't do that you should go with people and by the way if you're ever physically alone God said through his son Jesus that you will never be alone that he will never leave you or forsake you and if you're a follower of him now you are indwelt by his spirit you've been empowered to do his work Jesus says you now lack nothing Jesus said when he went to heaven, he looked at his disciples and he said, the Holy Spirit inside of you will be better than the Jesus beside you. And these guys, can you imagine the disciples? The opposition, the critics, the discouragement. They push through. They get to work. We keep talking about how the the gospel is gritty because it is. Jesus disappointed so many people through the decisions he made. It's why he was crucified. Because they didn't like what he was saying and they didn't like how he was living. So they killed him. 
when you get after the things of God, you will disappoint people. It will be confusing to people because they're not going to understand everything you do and the why behind it. People, I guarantee you, are looking at Nehemiah and going, why do you have to be the guy who go, goes and rebuilds the wall? Why is it you? Why do you? And, and he, you know, really the answer was because this is what I believe I'm called to do. This is what God has asked me to do. And if you're going to be about the things of God, then you're going to have to stand there and face the tension of disappointment and face the tension of discouragement. But then you, refu- you refuse to give up and you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward because when you start things that nobody else is doing, you just got to know the critics are coming. And here's the deal. When they start chirping, and they will, you know, when they start chirping, don't be discouraged. Pray. Pray. Let them talk. You get to work. And at the end of your life, you will stand before the one whose voice matters above all else. And you know what you want to hear from him? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good job. When they were pushing back, when they were criticizing, when they told you to go the other way, good job. You stayed the course. Now, come spend eternity with me. Though chirp, let them. You get to work. Get after what God is calling you to do. And at the end of your life, it won't matter what the critics were saying anymore. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning we thank you for the reminder. There will be opposition in this life. It won't go the way that we thought it would. I just know it's so true that there always seems to be somebody bringing kind of those questions of discouragement. And I pray this morning that you would refill us with your courage, that you would envision us as a church. We can so easily live mundane lives going from day to day, looking out for ourselves. And yet I just believe that you're calling us to something greater. And I pray that the opposition of this world wouldn't discourage us from stepping into the fullness that you have planned for us in this life. So let us take a step. Go one more. One more day, one more prayer. For Nehemiah, it was one more brick. And when discouragement comes, we let them talk and we get to work. We pray and we do what we can do to fulfill the calling that you have in our life. Father, I love everything you're doing in and through this church. And I pray that you would help us to be a church that prays and we do what we can do to further the mission that you've called us to, to tell a story that changed our life, that has the power to change the lives of every single person on this planet. So call us into the unknown, into the scary, into the uncertain. I pray that we might have faith to trust you in all of it. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.